We think I wouldn't be nervous, but um, this is very different for me, and um, y'all are really close. I have to have my cheaters. That's what happens when you get old. You can't read without your glasses, so I will not do niceties, but I will say that this is the greatest church. We have the greatest pastor and pastor's wife. And I thank you. Tonight is going to be a little different for me because... um, For those of you who know me, I'm loud, and I'm boisterous, and I laugh, and everything is big. Usually my hair is big. It's gotten smaller, but everything is big for me, and, um, but the last two plus years, as my friend said a couple weeks ago, the Lord has wrecked me. Um, the saying You are who you are. I am who I am. Seems very simple. But it's simple to people who want to be who they are. And for people who don't want to be who they are, when people tell you, just be who you are, and in your mind you think, I don't like that person. I don't want to be her. I want to be somebody else. And there's a lot that um, has gone on a lot of situations, and I came across in my reading Psalms 139. For some of you, this may be very old hat. Um, My mom got the Holy Ghost when I was two years old, so I've been in church for 43 years. Yes, I'm 45 years old. I've been in church for 43 years, and this probably should seem very elementary to some of you, but when you don't like who you are and then you find out parts about you that you really don't like, then it just compounds itself over the years. And so we're going to start in Psalms 139 and verse 13. And it says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they, were, they all were written the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. And in reading that, I started um, breaking it down a little bit. And verse 14 says how amazing each and every person is that God created. Amazing. Um, When I think about me, I do not think of the word amazing. Amazing. That is not a word that comes to mind. And 
when you start looking at yourself and you think, God thinks I'm amazing? How? Because I am not an amazing person. I may pretend we put on our facades and we show the world how happy we are and how wonderful everything is, but on the inside, we don't feel amazing. We actually feel very ugly and distraught and broken. And so I started pondering on that. It goes on to say that we're skillfully wrought, which means it's kind of like a person who needleworks, how tiny and intricately they put each stitch purposefully where it should be. And I start thinking about me. And I, as a female, I nitpick everything about me. And, um, you know, I have too many moles, lots of them. I have a very broad nose and big lips. And I'm a big person and I have big feet. And I'll look this way. Sorry, I was that way. All of this... We start nitpicking ourselves. We look in the mirror and our hair is not the way we want it to be. It's not curly or it's not straight or it won't do anything. And why can't we just shave our heads and be bald like men? And <laughs> But we do. We start nitpicking ourselves. I start nitpicking myself. And I think everything about me when I was being formed, the Lord made every tiny, intricate part, exactly the way he wanted it. He made a perfect vessel. In your eyes, you saw my substance, which refers that he looked at me and he was excited. He was happy. He thought, I made that. In your book, they were all written the days fashioned from me, which means that before I was born, he already knew where I would be right now which means every time I thought I made a misstep, he already knew where I was going. Every time I stumbled, every time I fell, every time I didn't do what he really wanted me to do, he already knew it, but now it's my decision as to where I go from there. And all of us have our own experiences in life. All of us have our own experiences from the time we're very little to we're young adults, into adulthood, and older adults. And from the time you're young, there's things that shape you. There's things that form you. And I had parents that loved me. They loved me. I couldn't ask for a better mom and dad. But in all of that, there were situations and circumstances that they had no control over that they had no idea that it happened to me, and I'll be very general, as a young child, as a five-year-old, when you're taken advantage of by an adult, you think it's you, and there's something wrong with you, and you think that you are dirty, and you think that you are bad, and you think that... And so then you compound that from 6 and 7 and 12 and 15 and 18 and 20 and 30 and 40. And you would think over all those years that that would go away. But what happens is it's a door you don't open. 
you shut that door because you know the moment you open it, you got to face what's behind it. And I didn't want to face that. That was not something I had put in my past a long time ago, and I thought that it was done. But two years ago, or a little over two years ago, my husband and I lost a baby. And it was the most traumatic thing that ever happened to me. I lost my father, and that was horrible. But I lost a baby, and it tore my life apart. It tore my husband's life apart. And in that low time of my life, there was only one thing I could turn to, and that was the Lord. And when I turned to him, I believe in Jeremiah, it talks about the potter, and he takes his vessel, and he puts it back on the potter's wheel, and he tries to make it, it's marred, or it's got flaws, and he's trying to unflaw it. He's trying to make it a good vessel. And so in this time, he's been pulling these things out of me. I am not a crybaby. I am strong. I am a very strong person. It takes a lot for me to cry. And in the last two and a half years, I've cried probably more than in my entire life because the Lord is trying to break me. Because if I have something in my life that may seem insignificant to some of you, but there's things that are in your life that are significant to you that you don't want to open that door either because you know the moment you do, every emotion you have, and my husband probably got the brunt of most of that. I wasn't mad at him. Just everything just started bubbling to the surface. Everything started coming out, and that's how the Lord wanted it to be because if I'm ever going to be a vessel of honor, all of the ugly stuff has to come out. And when you're compounding that over years, you just start compacting things on top of things on top of things. And it's not just a tiny little bobo anymore, as Sister Ruth can tell you. If you don't clean that wound, then it starts infecting other areas of your body that you don't even know that it's affected because this is how you've always been. You've always been a little caustic, and to you it's sarcasm, or you've always been a little bit hard or say things a little bit harsh, but you laugh, so it makes it better, it makes it right. And the Lord started pointing things out about me that was not right, and he started breaking me down into what he wants me to be. It's not an easy place to be. It's not an easy point of my life. It's horrible for me in my eyes, and this is, again, the devil coming in my mind and trying to tell me that I'm not good enough or I'm not strong enough or, see, you're just, you're 45 years old. I can't believe you're still dealing with this. But those thoughts, I start casting them down and saying, no, I am good I am the perfect vessel that he has designed me to be, and I will be happy with me. I will be happy with what he's doing with me. I'll be happy with where I'm going. I'll be happy with what he has in mind for me. And I can't live your life. You can't live my life. And in all of this, the circumstances that happen to us, they form us into who we are. 
I start thinking about um, people in the Bible, and Paul was the one who came to me. And in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound on us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also will partake of the consolation. And I read that and things that stood out to me is the things that I went through in my life. I have been ashamed of for a very long time. They were not my fault, but I was ashamed And to stand here and tell all of you this is very scary for me. I don't mean that ugly. It's just, it's scary for me. But if God is ever going to take me to the next step that he has for my life, there is somebody that needs to know what has happened to you in your life. God already knew it was going to happen. He already wrote it before you were born. He could have stopped it, but... That thing which you went through, that thing which you had to go through, is what made you who you are. It made me the strong person that I am. And that's not an accident. And so what I've been given is this scripture tells me that now I need to go and I need to help someone else who has suffered the same thing, who has suffered things throughout their life that they didn't even, Sister Kristen said, things that just come to your mind, things that pop in your head that you don't even realize that you have just pushed down and pushed down and pushed down, and it affects every part of you. You just don't realize it. And so the Lord, I had this wall built all the way around me, and he's been taking it down brick by brick. That's very, very hard for me because that means now I'm vulnerable again. That means someone can hurt me again. Someone can get so close that they can tear me or what I think is me down. But what the Lord is trying to do to me is say, it's not your strength that keeps you. It's my strength that keeps you. It's not your strength that builds you up or tears you down. It's my strength that builds you up and everything you go through My strength will sustain you. My grace is sufficient. My grace will keep you through whatever thing that you're going to have to go through, whatever the next step is, whatever the next affliction that comes into my life, God will be right there to help me through it. He won't leave me. And sometimes, even as adults, we forget God's not going to leave us. He's not going to leave us. We think we're all alone. There's many times I would be in my room and your mind 
is your worst enemy. My mind is my worst enemy. I start thinking, oh, that person, man, she doesn't like me. Man, that person, I think she was talking about me. And that goes around in your mind, and it starts forming things that you don't even want in your life. And those are, as Bishop talks about, casting down imaginations. You need to cast that down and rebuke those thoughts that come in your mind. That's what I have to continually do, because this is not a one-day thing. This is not going to end today as I speak this. This is going to be every day. I'm going to battle this. There's going to be something that comes up tomorrow and it is going to smack me right in the face. And I'm going to be like, really, Lord, seriously? And he's going to be, yep. Now, what are you going to do? You need to stand up, brush yourself off and let's go again. And as we're doing this, the apostle Paul wrote all of this from his own experiences. And trust me, I am not comparing what I've gone through to what the Apostle Paul went through. I don't want to go through none of what he went through. I don't want to be beaten and shipwrecked and bit by a viper and despised by everyone who knows me. And I don't want none of that. But I do know that I am a work in progress. And that's all that God can expect me to be. We have to progress every day. We get better every day. We hurt less every day. Yeah, there's going to be somebody that comes tomorrow, and they are going to think they're giving me a compliment, and it's going to be one of those backhanded compliments like, thanks, appreciate that. But it's going to be something that God's saying, I'm testing you again. How are you going to handle that? Are you still going to love them? Are you still going to treat them the right way? Are you going to let this get in your spirit too? And so this is where... um, I come to my last scripture, 2 Corinthians 12 and 7. It says, Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. That means to slap me lest I be exalted above measure. I never, ever, ever want to be exalted above measure. I know that I am nobody. I know that I am nothing. I know that whatever I have, whatever I've attained, whatever I've acquired, the things I've acquired are just that, things. My children are my most prized possession, but my salvation is number one. And I've realized that if my salvation is number one, that means I need to help someone else make their salvation number one. I decrease and he increases. And this goes on to say, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Some of you know, some of you don't. I've had two surgeries on my arm. Used to play the piano. Now I don't know what I do. I don't play the piano, that's for sure. Um, I have prayed for the Lord to heal this more than three times. If this is to be my thorn, we go on to see what Paul says. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. That means he is sufficient. Anything that he has in your life, he will sustain you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. So when we get weak and we think we're nothing and we're down 
We are the strongest we've ever been because we know that it's all God. It's none of us. It's all of him. And he said, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. And I looked up these words because pleasure in this were in this setting means to be willing or to choose. It's to choose. How many of you would choose an infirmity? Not many of us, but this is what he says. I take pleasure in my infirmity, in my reproaches, which means to be wrongfully wronged. And you don't do anything. You don't say anything. You take it. In your needs, which is your bare needs, you don't have enough money in the bank. In your persecutions, which means for somebody to harass or mistreat you in public, and you say nothing. That was not me. It's trying to be me. In my distresses, distresses is not just you broke down on the side of the road and you need help. It is extreme mental anguish. And a lot of us deal with extreme mental anguish. And we say nothing. We smile. And they ask, how are you doing, sister? Great. How are you doing? And on the inside, you're screaming because everything is going on in your mind. And then it goes on to say, for Christ's sake, only for him. Not for someone to say, oh, she's a good person. Because I know in myself, I'm not a good person. Only through Christ am I anything. Only through Christ am I here. Only through Christ am I anything. For without him, I know I am nothing. It says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And I want to thank the Lord tonight I know that seems like such a weird thing to say. I do want to thank him for showing me, me. It's not pretty. It's not beautiful. It's not this perfect person. I don't have a perfect life. I don't have perfect children or perfect husband or perfect house or a perfect car or the perfect anything except my job. I do have the perfect job. I have... As he says, the perfect boss. I don't have the perfect life. I smile because that's how we're raised. We leave our junk at home and we come to church. But this is a house that I have learned that I have to bring my junk to. And I have to unburden myself and I have to let the Lord clean my house and clean everything that's dirty inside of it. Thank you very much.